0: Welcome to Service Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the on the ground experience that we're living and breathing with our service accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Service Accommodation Secrets. Thanks for joining me. And this time it's all about making sure you are getting paid and the cost of issues, maybe theft or other misconduct caused by the occasional guest, hopefully, at your service accommodation is covered and that you are ready and prepared for any strange things or accidental damages or any issues that might go on with guests at your property because most guests are really nice they just want to stay have a, a comfortable time a convenient time and you know enjoy being at the apartments or house if you've got an SA ap- um, house not an apartment and so most of the time if anything happens with any normal kind of guests, maybe they drop something like a cafeteria or something. We've had that kind of thing and the guest just replaces it. But sometimes after a stay, you arrive or the cleaning team arrives more like and they message you saying, hmm, there's one or two issues at the property. And it may be that it's a case of things being stolen. It may be a case of just a huge amount of mess or you know, it can be a combination of things. And so it's really important to make sure that you have everything in place to make sure that you don't have a financial burden as well as the hassle and the extra time it takes to sort these things out. And we've made mistakes along the way. So I've got a few tips for you. I've got six things that I can talk to you about. And I've done a live about this, but this is a little bit more detailed as well because there are different apps that you can use that help you when the cleaners come in as well and make sure that uh, everybody knows what the property was like beforehand and what it was like after that particular stay. So if I go into these five things, The first thing is that you really need to have clarity at the time of booking, whether it's on your website or it might be on booking.com, it might be on Airbnb, it might be with one of the corporate travel agents, it could be with HomeAway, it could be with any of these different people or it may just be a guest who rings you up having seen your website and makes a booking so you need real clarity about what the arrangements are so really basic stuff is like how many people are coming and what day uh, what time do they want to check in when are they going to stay until so their departure day and make sure that you know that they're aware of when they need to check out as well. So it's not just because you might be doing meet and greet for arrival, but also because you may have guests who've just left. So that kind of thing. So it's all about making sure you know if a guest wants an early check-in or late check-out. So all of the logistics of that and making sure that the guests are aware of how you charge for your property and what they need when they stay. So the second thing is all about payment. So we take payment before the guest stays and that works well for us. It's a big incentive really for them to stay there but there are other arrangements that you might have as well particularly uh, things like Airbnb they take payment themselves so we'll go into that. And the third thing is to have terms and conditions that your guest actually signs before they come and stay. Make sure that they're aware of what they are um to a certain extent I mean obviously they might be quite long a bit like if you were on Google and signing some terms and conditions that are so long and you don't understand half of them and I think it was Michael McIntyre who said you need to make sure that you haven't signed your house away <laughs> signing your Google terms and conditions so, so that they know the basic idea behind your T's and C's so they're like hotel terms and conditions essentially And so the next thing to think about is what kind of things you have in place. If you have a cancellation and if you have a no show, so that will be part of your T's and C's, but it is specific to guest booking and guests either arriving or not. So be really specific about what you have in place for that. And number five, this is a specific thing really for booking.com, but it may be on other portals as well is that there can be a grace period after people book in which you'd give a refund. But usually, if it's within your no refunds period, you wouldn't do. But you can have different settings in booking.com. So I'm going to go through those. And the next thing I'm going to go through, what actually constitutes guest miss conduct they call it in booking.com so I'm going to go through the list of what they class as misconduct and the sixth thing is that you can have things in place with your process in your cleaning team to make sure that you've got evidence of what people have done as well so that's really important to note because otherwise it's your word against theirs so really important that you have that covered so let's go into more detail here so the whole guest experience, you want to be providing a great service and great clarity with your booking so it's nice and easy for the guests. And one of the things that I'm a little bit guilty of, I must say, is thinking more about the service that I'm offering and I have sometimes gone the other way so that it means that we will be out of pocket. And we really don't want that. So you want to be a profitable business so that, you know, some guests, they just take the mick, I think, is the description that you give. Because, you know, if you've done everything you can to help a guest and everything that you agree to do and often above and beyond, if a guest then still, uh, I don't know, doesn't show up or messes you about with when they arrive, especially if it's meet and greet, or they might, you know, trash your property, take things, that kind of thing. Um, you might have different guests staying than you're supposed to have, all that kind of thing. But if you've done everything with the best will in the world to make it clear what you need to know from the guest and then you deliver on your part of the service... Then, you know, you shouldn't be out of pocket if you've done everything. If you made a mistake or something didn't work the way it was supposed to, or, you know, something wasn't available, like the apartment wasn't available when it was supposed to be, you know, if it, if it's down to you, then great. Give people refunds for that kind of thing. But if it's, um, you know, an issue that's been caused by a guest not doing what they agreed to do, or misbehaving in some way, then yeah, you shouldn't be out of pocket for that. Always own up to, you know, any errors, obviously. But most of the time, small errors in systems can be sorted out, guests will be happy. And, uh, you know, it's usually big issues that I'm talking about. And we've had a few guests recently who've, and this is why I'm talking about this. And this is why I know what the uh, guest misconduct is is we've had guests who didn't tell us when they were coming and also didn't sign their T's and C's. And actually, initially, I thought they had. And so it was actually down to me that I didn't know when they were coming and therefore we had to waste time waiting. And then they said they were coming and then they still didn't come for two hours. and we it was really crazy because we just didn't know. And in this circumstance, I couldn't just let the guests check-in using the key safe because I hadn't got them to sign the T's and C's. So they had to actually sign those physically. So it was a mistake on my part. So make sure you've got everything clear in the beginning so you know what's going on. It may be that your guest wants an early check-in and they need to let you know that you know ahead of time so that you can make sure the apartment's clean. And you need to make sure that you know if you've got a guest checking out at the normal checkout time, and as it's ten in the morning, and check in is usually after three pm on the day of arrival. But if you have a guest who wants to check in early, usually we don't charge if it's after one pm. And uh, we were really nailing this down recently because we have a VA doing lots of great admin stuff for us now, and we've got the whole um system in Trello where we have all our templates in there now. So I was really pinning down what um we actually charge for things like early check in and, and how the logistics works for it. Because obviously you've got to make sure that the apartment's gonna be ready. If the guest checks out at ten and you actually got somebody checking in and they want to come early, have you got enough cleaners there to get it done really fast? And, you know, to the standard it needs to be and get their welcome pack and everything. So If it's after one, we don't charge because it wouldn't be clean by then normally anyway. But if it's like 11, 11.30, something like that, then we would make a charge. And so we have to make the guests aware of that before they come. And likewise, if they want an early check-in, That's one thing. But if you've got a guest who wants a late checkout, you can't have that coinciding, obviously. So you need to make sure your processes are robust and you've got those things in place as well so that you don't have an overlap because that's going to be really awkward. So if a guest wants to um, check out late, then if it's on the same day, we have allowed that before, but charged, but it is really difficult because it means that you're not giving your cleaning team any notice. So I did have a team of three contractors who wanted to check out late once and they asked on the day and I did let them because they said they would pay, but actually it meant that the cleaning team, were kind of, they had nothing else to do particularly. I mean, there's always something small to do but they didn't have much to do on the day. And so it was very um, last minute. And probably I should have said no, but actually, because uh, my supervisor was there, and she was able to sort it out her end, um, we just had to pay extra money, which meant we passed that on to the guests, of course, and they were happy to do that because they wanted to leave later. But ideally, you want to get that sorted out way in advance and actually we're not going to allow notification of late checkout on the same day because it, it's not fair on our team. And so we don't do that anymore, but we have parameters within which we'll allow late checkout. So if somebody wanted to check out by 12, then that's fine. But if they wanted to check out after 3pm, we see that's our next check-in time. So they're going to have to pay for an extra night if they want to check out a lot later. So have all that nailed down so that guests know in advance what they're paying for. You know, if you charge extra for cleaning, extra for linen, that kind of thing, make sure guests know in advance. If you take a deposit, make sure the guest knows that in advance and whether it's taken completely or whether it's pre-authorized just make sure they know so you can have that on your website you can have that in your terms that they sign and you can have that on the online portal so as a good example booking.com has fine print and within there you have um, a chance to put t's and c's so for example we say that we need to see id and t's and c's signed But also we say that we pre-authorise a deposit. So I'll go into that next. So the second thing, apart from clarity about the booking, so that was number one, uh, which was quite long. But number two is payment. So we make sure we take payment before the stay as a rule. Uh, sometimes we, with corporate bookings, you may end up invoicing on a monthly basis, but at the moment with the guests we have at the moment, we tend to take an initial payment for the initial period. So that might be four weeks or it might be a month. And then after that, we'll do an invoice for the next period and get paid for that. So I guess you, you know, it depends on your actual clients and your actual guests and i imagine at some point we'll have corporate guests and the companies will want to pay um, in arrears and uh you know if they're good bookings then we'll take that on board but at the moment we require all payments before the stay because that's when you have the highest incentive isn't it so if the guests can't get into the property they're going to want to pay whereas once they're actually in and staying they're in and once they've left well they're definitely not interested in paying then so there are different ways that you can organize this so through booking.com I don't know if they have a default where they collect payment on your behalf and pay you later and you could say well that makes sure you get paid but actually unless we've had a cleared payment before somebody arrives they don't get any check-in information from us they don't get the code to check in so, you know, they need to let us know because obviously it's fully uh, transparent, fully visible that we, we take payment at time of booking. And certainly um, 14 days before the stay because that coincides with our cancellation policy. If somebody's not staying for a couple of months, so 60 days before the stay, up until then we'll take a 20% deposit. And then the full amount will be due 14 days before the stay. And it's completely up to you if you want 14 days. So that's our cancellation period. But you may have a a different amount of time that you want. And so because we require payment, then after payment is received, then the whole process kicks in of sending out T's and C's, requesting ID, and giving directions and finding out welcome pack choices and all those kinds of things and generally helping the guests for the next part of their stay. But something else that we changed recently because we had an issue where we did find it um, didn't work for us to just state in our terms and conditions, we reserved the right to deduct a certain amount of money if Our T's and C's were broken. We say a deposit covering breakages and damages is required. And we used to say that this can be charged up to five working days after the guest stayed in the property, but we didn't do anything about it. So we didn't take the money up front and we didn't pre authorize it before. And of course, if you can't take the money from the person's account, so if they don't have funds, in the account and the card is declined or some other way, because they're not necessarily going to agree to a bank transfer at that point if they haven't already sent you the money. We decided that we would strike a a halfway balance and do pre-authorization. So with pre-authorization, we actually use Stripe as our merchant. And that means up to um, seven days after the pre-authorization, we're allowed to take the amount stated for the deposit. If it stays longer than that, which sometimes it might be just over, or it might be a lot longer, then we would actually take the whole deposit and then actually do a refund later. But that's free of charge in Stripe. So that's absolutely no problem. So what we would do is go into Stripe and set that up. It's really quite straightforward. And then you know if that actually has worked and then you've captured that, you take that money if there's an issue afterwards. So previously we've had an issue where a guest actually didn't stay himself, other people stayed and things were taken, damage was caused, things were broken and stained on the carpet and they'd broken their T's and C's because it seemed we couldn't actually get evidence on this second occasion previously we've managed to get evidence of um a brothel going on and that actually is against our terms and conditions and illegal anyway but we couldn't actually recoup the money that time because we hadn't done a pre-authorization. So really important to do that. Now, Airbnb, for example, takes the money for you and you receive that, I think it's 24 hours after check-in. So that's dealt with. And if bookie.com take the money for you, you'll just get it later, but we prefer to just have our process in place because by them doing that interrupts our process. And um, I know other... You know, TripAdvisor and so forth work differently, but as a rule, it's payment before stay. If it's through a different online travel agent, then you're covered by that. But of course, if it's direct booking, you need to decide how you want to do it. But certainly, in our experience, that's how it's worked well. And so, the third thing is to make sure you've got terms and conditions in place and to make sure that the guest has signed these before they stay, and ask for ID. So for overseas travellers, we always ask for a photo, an image of the photo page of their passport. And if it's a UK guest, then we'll ask for a driving licence, a copy of that. Uh, And if it's an overseas traveller or guest, then I don't think driver's licenses or ID cards are as good as having the passport, but it's up to you what you decide to have. So we request ID and at the moment through to Keat, you can get a digital set of your terms and conditions sent out and the guest signs these and you've already countersigned them as the SA operator and also you get a chance at that point to upload the id as the guest so the guest doesn't have to send these things externally we're actually changing over to form site as well so we're formalizing this but this is how we've been doing it for quite a long time through to keep so it's all digital and it's not just a matter of the guest sending their id externally in an email so they're in a closed system so it's more protected for them but you know then you've got their agreement that they adhere to your t's and c's and they're just standard kind of t's and c's that you'd have in a hotel but also the deposit rule is things like you know no damage is done to the property there's no illegal activity we don't allow pets we don't allow parties either there's no smoking Um, no naked flames, fire risk assessment, we don't allow candles or any kind of naked flames in there, you know, different things like if people have left a real mess, I'm not taking all the rubbish, it'll put all the rubbish in the bin, uh, things like that, lost linen, anything like that, so we've got a list of things, quite simple, but all in our T's and C's, so that shows what's forfeited if those particular rules are breached. So it's very clear to a guest. And of course, a lot of people won't necessarily read them. A bit like, you know, if you're online and signing T's and C's in a Google terms and conditions, little box comes up and you sign it. And I think it was Michael McIntyre did a joke about that. So you could have just signed your life away or your house or something, and you're just waiting for them to come and claim it because nobody understands all the wording in all those T's and C's. But that's a pretty straightforward they do have quite a lot of items in them, but they're pretty straightforward and anyone could understand them. So I think that's fair enough. And some operators, some SA operators decide that they're not going to make guests or insist <laughs> that guests sign T's and C's and they're not going to check their ID. But we um, feel it's the right thing to do, partly because we operate on a rent to rent basis. So our freeholders won't be happy if we don't know who's actually staying. And it protects you against fraudulent credit cards and also the credit card holder after all as well. So it's important to establish who you've got staying there. And for example, we request flight numbers for guests who want to meet and greet taxi service so that we'll be able to give that to the taxi company. So we know if they're going to be late. And we also request um, your next destination onward destination as well and um, if you get all that information then you've got you know everything that qualifies you to know that your guest is who they say they are and you know when they arrive that they look the same as their id because you don't want people who are carrying on fraudulent businesses and uh, breaking the law or you know any other thing and most people are really really honest and really really lovely but if people know that you've ensured they are who they say they are and they've agreed to things they do tend to behave better than if you've no clue who they are and you haven't even bothered checking and i know that you know if you have a party or something like that where you get a lot of damage and you don't know who it is then if you own the property that's one thing but if you're managing it on somebody's behalf or if it's a you know freeholder in a, and you have an apartment in a block they're going to think you're quite irresponsible um if you haven't checked who actually is doing that so and you have no recourse either So I think it's really important to do that. And, you know, whoever is operating their essay, it's up to them how they do that. But certainly, if people have agreed to things, then, you know, they can't insist on refunds. They can't complain about the deposit being retained. If you've got those T's and C's in place, they've seen them, they sign them. So the fourth thing is about cancellation and no shows. So if a guest has booked in our apartments within 14 days, they won't get a refund if they then cancel. And if they book and uh, within that 14 day period, there's no refund available. And if they don't show up, there are different processes to go through. So it depends who they book through or if they book directly with you, that it's up to you how you manage that. But for us, we wouldn't refund because obviously we can't sell the apartment availability to anybody else if we're expecting a guest and they just don't come on the agreed date. And I did have an issue with this recently, but it was actually a guest who'd booked through booking.com and Oddly enough, I'd spoken to the guests actually that afternoon and I've had an incident with Airbnb before as well. We don't get much of this sort of thing, but because we have policies in place completely stated on booking.com, so we don't have a 24-hour concierge or check-ins person there, but we have key safes. We have full instructions. We send out a code. We send out And we check beforehand. So actually on the ground, we know that the key is in there and we know that something's, whether the key safe is working or not. So we check those things before the guest comes. So we know that. Obviously we have had one or two things go slightly wrong in the past, but that's part of learning. So it's in our process. If the guest is aware of that, but then they don't show up, then they forfeit their money that they've paid to stay there. And with Airbnb, you have different cancellations. So I think it's flexible, moderate and strict. Um, we had a moderate policy and I spoke to a guest that was the same day booking, had booked to arrive that evening and I actually rang. So I was personally ringing her. I haven't outsourced everything yet. And I do tend to ring, um, corporate guests anyway, but this was a, a guest through Airbnb and I spoke to this girl. And oh yes, they were going to come. And she said, "Fine, that's all good." And she was going to use the key safe. But then it emerged that uh, she hadn't actually shown up. And um, so, and I knew that because she hadn't requested the code to check in. She hadn't even sent back the T's and C's. So it wasn't like she was even going to the building, which was very strange. And so, what happened was the next day. I had to tell Airbnb and they sort it out. So if you have a particular type of cancellation policy, then they sort that out for you and they take the money from the guests. So they'll either refund it or not, depending on what type of cancellation agreement you have with them. Same with booking.com. They actually rang to ask me for this particular guest who didn't arrive the other day And I'd spoken to this chap who wanted an early check-in as well. So we'd made sure it was ready for an early check-in, only an hour, but nonetheless, um, we'd had guests in the property as well. So we had to make sure it was going to be ready. Actually, several days later, the guest rang to say that he hadn't been able to get into the property. And actually, it turned out that it wasn't any fault of ours and it hasn't, hadn't been reported actually at the time, the guests hadn't rung us, hadn't rung us the next day either. And so booking.com actually asked me if we were willing to refund. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but no, because we hadn't done anything that was at fault with the guests and there was nothing wrong with the key safe. And we actually knew that for sure. So actually the guests just hadn't shown up and we didn't even know straight away, but we did mark the guest as a no-show. So whatever portal your property's advertised on or on your website for your direct bookings, make sure that it's really clear to guests what the policy is if they then don't show up. Because after all, if you go to a hotel, it's one thing to have a quite a late cancellation policy, which obviously you have with hotels often the day before or maybe even lunchtime of the check-in day you're allowed to sometimes and that's very good for flexibility for guests but we obviously can't resell the room if we don't even know on the day that the guest is coming and if we've done everything we can to make sure everything's in place for the guests then you know I don't think it's actually right that we give money back and that. Honestly, it's something I struggle with to some extent because I always want to over deliver to a guest to provide a great service. But if you start giving money back to people who are just, you know, not showing up and you've done everything you were supposed to do, there's no breakdown in your process. Nothing is broken. Everything's working. Then unfortunately, you can't give them a refund, however much you might feel, you know, you want to help people and because you'll go out of business apart from anything else, but you know, it's not actually fair. Sometimes if you have a situation where a guest has an emergency, I don't know, it may be that somebody's about to have a baby and everything goes pear-shaped or maybe they have a terrible accident, then obviously there'll be discretionary times when you can think actually they had a really good reason not to come and it would be unkind not to help somebody out when they had a terrible circumstance. So, you know, you don't want to go too far the other way. But, you know, if you made them aware of what your accommodation is like, what you're charging them when they're coming and, you know, everything's in place, then I think that's fine. So this particular guest, we didn't um, give him a refund. And um, it turned out that he Told Booking.com all sorts of things that were different than he told us. Yeah. So Sunday, the guest was due to check out, and this was Wednesday. The guest actually rang Booking.com, but we marked the guest as a no show as soon as we knew. So if you've got a, an audit trail, if you like, with your online travel agent and you do everything they ask you to in the process, then you're covered. And so it's up to you whether you have maybe uh, 14, night or 14 day no cancellation policy. That is what we have. It might put some people off. But it also commits people to actually book. So if they see that and they know they can't cancel, that's kind of it. Obviously if people have booked way in advance of that, then they might not want to actually make payment or sign T's and C's until 40 days before in case they want to cancel, which is fine but from a point of view of running our business logistically it's much harder to you know give a shorter period so i know some people like to do 7 days which is absolutely fine and if that's what you want to do you might even want to do shorter time periods but if somebody's seen your property and they wanted to book it for a stay and then it turns out that you were booked up, but three days before the original guest cancelled. So the person who saw it later could have stayed after all, you know, you're going to lose out. So we'd rather not leave it till the last minute like hotels are able to do. So it's up to you, but just make sure your policy is really clear. And if you have um, a guest who doesn't show up, make sure you've got all of that in hand as well. And so the sixth thing is that if things do go wrong, if terms and conditions are broken, have a system in place to cater for that. So we've made mistakes before, which we've learned from. And that has included things like we've had um, a girl stay who we thought she was just staying to do work. And, you know, it turned out I was really shocked because <laughs> she was actually a sex worker or prostitute, whatever you want to describe her as. And also the fact she had two friends with her made it a brothel and that's actually illegal. So you don't want to be allowing that because according to the law, um, you can get a prison sentence of up to seven years for allowing that to go on with your knowledge. So it's not illegal if it's one person. But it is illegal if it's actually a brothel. And we don't actually want that kind of business to be going on in our property. So we don't allow illegal activities, but also we don't allow businesses to be carried on there either. I mean, if you had corporate guests who wanted to have meetings and a bit of a, you know, a get together for their team, then that's one thing, but carry on an actual business like that. No, you don't want that kind of thing going on. And some people have said to me, well, why? You know, It's perfectly valid service. And it's not being funny, but our target market is the corporate clients. So we don't want things going on there that are maybe linked to other criminal activity and it kind of isn't good for the area. We want everything to be really nice and nothing down market going on, nothing illegal. We want it all to be just really good, really happy environment with lots of happy guests who are enjoying themselves and not worried about strange comings and goings, because you could have a succession of people arriving and leaving, and you really don't want that sort of thing happening. So if people break your terms and conditions, so we've had guests who take things and um, damage things, you want to be able to uh, notify your guests, but also your online travel agents. So it might be booking.com. And they have specific uh, rules about these things and um, what constitutes misconduct as well so if I just let you know what those are booking.com guest misconduct guest misbehavior relates to the selected state and also falls into one of the following categories abusive or rude behavior illegal activities guests left without paying guests left the room dirty theft minor damage large damage. And we have a few other things in our T's and C's, so we expect no uh, rubbish and debris to be left about the place. We want it all in the rubbish bin, So dishes washed up, no naked flames, as I mentioned, because that is unsafe, no smoking, no linens lost or damaged, and keys left where they're supposed to be left as well. And if the guest isn't evicted as well, and no damage, uh, and no theft, and um, we don't allow pets either, I realise I missed out a thing actually. So within Booking.com, and this was number five, um, and possibly in other online portals, so it's something to look out for. And um, once a guest is booked, if it's Within our cancellation period, we don't allow any free cancellation at all, whereas you can set it up in your settings to have a grace period. And so that's something to look out for because we did used to have a grace period, but thinking about this, when you book in booking.com, I don't know if you have, but, um, you know, I booked loads of our uh, holidays and things there because it's really good, really good to see the reviews and everything from everybody, but it's not a quick thing. You don't just click on a button and then you you've booked. You have to select how many rooms, which particular accommodation you want, you know, you have to go through and pay and then it's booked. So it's not a quick thing. It's not like oh I accidentally clicked on book. So we used to have it so people could book and then have this grace period, but we decided to get rid of that. So once people have decided to book, that's it. they booked. And if it's outside of 14 days, then they can still get a refund. But if it's within it, then they can't. So that's one thing to mention. So let's go back to my final point, which was six, which is about having your proof. So when we had a recent guest who just left a really big mess and it took about three times as long for the cleaners to clean, so we had to charge for that. And they also took a throw they also got biro all over a stool. So it wasn't completely trash, but it just was a real mess. And we got to re-upholster the stool and stuff. And you know, it wasn't like they had a wild party, but they just were quite careless. So we retained some of their deposit and we did actually send them an invoice, including a breakdown of what we were charging them for. Um, but we did actually have before the stay photos as proof and photos of everything as it was when the cleaning team arrived and it's really good to have that as part of your process and we're actually systemizing that more so that we've got an audit trail within the app we're using for the cleaning team so that you can see what it was like before but then also see what it was like after so you've always got a record of what it was like and that means that you know the guest's might come back to you and say, well, actually, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you've got photos, then it's proof that it happened. And particularly if you're working with somebody like booking.com, they expect you to have that. So you'd have to notify them. And if there's ever any, you know, issue about it, and the guest creates a kind of dispute about it, then you've got the proof there. So it's really important to cover yourself. And the final point really is that you make your best efforts to make the service accommodation fabulous for your guests and you really want them to have a great time and most people are absolutely lovely and not much goes wrong at all or hardly anything or even nothing but just occasionally you do get these issues and I think the main thing is that you do your best to make sure your processes are in place, you're communicating really well, and you know, you've got your process to make sure that the apartment's ready, clean, and you've got all the dates, the times and everything, and payments all sorted, or everything's nailed, deposits and stuff. And most of the time everything's fine, but just when you get these odd things like, you know, people not showing up but then wanting a refund or if they trash place, or if they, you know, take things, then you're just covered if you've got these things in place. So your costs are covered, you know, you're still making money on the stay because it's not your problem if somebody breaks something because you've got the deposit there. Well, you have the logistics of doing it, but you're not out of pocket and you're still making money from your stay. And it's just much more difficult if you don't forward, plan these things. So if you're early in your journey, it's really good to organize these things early on. And, you know, if you're already in it and you've had a few issues, then it's really good to nail these things and get things in place to help it work out really well. And as I said, it's great when you have great guests and most people are fabulous. So it's just the odd thing that goes wrong. And you have a few disagreements and, and you're covered. And of course you might use your insurance, but sometimes it won't cover different things that happen. So, you know, if a guest has access to the property and they take something, it may be that your insurance covers it, but it may well not cover that. So, you know, just be aware of what your insurance covers as well. And in any case, if you have to use your insurance, there's your excess that you've got to use and your premiums increasing. So it's better to have these other systems in place. So I hope that's helpful. And, you know, I'm quite reflective about this and pleased that I've worked with a team to get things nailed down better. And I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, you can have your money back randomly. And because if you have a personal tendency to do that kind of thing, then hopefully this has helped you. And just think about how everything links together with your guests arriving and departing and um, that things all work well. So if you've got feedback, feel free to comment on my Service Accommodation Secrets Facebook page and post in the group if you're a member or ask to be added to that. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Sharing the secrets of success.